Well, praise the Lord. How's everybody doing tonight? Hey, Amen. You ready for round two? Miss Grace is going to sock it to you. Sock it to us. I want to, I'm going to share a little bit of a testimony tonight, and I was kind of compelled by what some of the things you said this morning. I wasn't going to say anything. I thought I was going to share some of it when I was preaching, and I kind of held back. I didn't, and then tonight um, it was kind of on my heart. And uh, I want to give you a little testimony. It just goes right along with some things you said this morning and what jumped out to me when you said that God has blessings for us at times that you know not of. Well, something happened to me this week. <clears throat> you know, I'm running the little business down here, working on the cars and motorcycles and stuff. And when I got the place, uh, we had an agreement, you know, with the lease and everything that I would I would go six months for a certain amount. And then after that, my rent would bump up about $300. Then after a year, it goes up to the final amount to pay every year. So my six months just ended the other day. And the last couple of months, I <clears throat> I was... I barely made enough money to pay the bills, and I thank God. I mean, I had enough to pay the bills, to be in the building, to do what I'm doing. But I told my wife recently, I said, you know, I, I'm getting nervous because <laughs> I'm about to have to start paying $300 more a month. And, um, you know, right now, I just got, I'm just paying what well, I got enough to pay the bills. And I said, you know, I'm going I'm going to call the landlord, and I'm just going to tell him. And then I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I said, Lord, if you really, if you don't, for some reason, you don't want me in this, I said, I don't have, I don't have no problem walking away, letting it go, and do something else. I said, Lord, I'll, I'll do it. I said, but if you want me to stay, you, then you got to work a miracle. I mean, you got to do something. So I, I texted the landlord, and, and I said, if you get a chance, could you call me in a couple of days? And so he did. And, I, you know, we talked for a minute about this and that and the weather and everything. So, well, you know, the reason I really want to talk to you, I said, is because um, I'm kind of having the problems, you know, financially. I said, I've made just enough money in the last month or so to pay just the bills. And I said, I just want to be up front with you. I don't, you know, I want you to know. And I said, uh, you know, I'm kind of struggling. He said, I, I understand, Thomas. He said, I know it's it's hard when you first start a business and everything. And so we were talking. He had me on a speakerphone, and I didn't know it. And his business partner, I guess his girlfriend, she was listening to the conversation. I said, you know, I said, I just, I want, you know, if I, if I had to get out, I just want you to know ahead of time because um, I don't want to hold you up or anything. And he said, Thomas, he said, I, I said, I just want, you know, he said, I just think that if you, you hold out and stay on, he said, you're going to have a real successful business there. And I thought, man, I felt the Spirit of God come on me, and I was trying to contain myself. And he said, uh, um, we, we just, we, we really like you and everything. He said, Thomas, maybe I think we, just hold on. I think we can work something out. He said, let me talk to Lorraine. Give, give me a little while. Let me talk. He said, I'll call you back. So we hung up and the phone rang within five minutes. He called me back and he said, Thomas, he said, you know, Lorraine was listening to our conversation as we were talking and, we really like you. And he said, Thomas, I really believe you're going to have a successful business there. And I know that it's hard when you're getting started. He said, but Lorraine and I decided that we're not going to up your rent. And you're going to go for the next year. And you're not going to pay any more than what you're paying right now. Now, listen to this. And he said, and when we do bump it up, we're only bumping it up $100. I was in tears, Miss Grace. I was holding back on that telephone. I was coming unglued from my shoes i was praising god and i said are you sure he said absolutely thomas we like you 
And he said, you're an honorable guy. We know that what you're doing is a good thing. He said, and when he said that again, I really believe you're going to have a successful business. I felt the presence of God. But what my point is, I, I was struggling. Satan, you know, he tries to mess with you. Hey, and I'm, what you were saying this morning, he tries to hinder your blessings, even those things like that. Well, two days later, my phone rang again, and it was from AUB. And I thought, what do they want? And she said, uh, this Thomas Climber? Said, yes, it is. She said, um, we, uh, I was going over the, um, the, the water bill here and everything, and I, we know that a few months back you had a water leak underground that was pretty bad, and we usually try to help people out, you know, and credit them or something if, uh, you know, it's not their fault. And she said, and due to the fact that you didn't know that that leak was underground, I just want to let you know that we're going to credit you over $300 for... I thought, praise the Lord, come on. And, and I mean, we just had some cold weather, and I've been using the heat more. I thought, Lord, I don't need a lecture bill this month. I mean, how much more? I think about that. And I told God, I said, Lord, if you don't want me in, just, I don't care to get out. I've, I've walked away from things before. I don't care. And I don't care to, you know, be done or whatever. But I said, Lord, if you want me to stay, you got to work something out. And I really, in my heart, I didn't want to, I didn't want to get out of it. I didn't want to walk away, but I felt like the Lord was saying, here it is. I'm going to bless you. Amen. So I, you know, the Lord will use people at times in a way that you can't imagine. I had to call Lucas and tell him, Mr. Mechanic, and boy, we just had a Holy Ghost fit on face. He said, come on. He was listening. I know it was all ears. He said, come on, come on. Tell me some more. Golly, look at that. Man, God is good. Amen. So we're going to keep turning some wrenches. So you got a ATV, a four-wheeler, or a car or something, you know, Adam, you can bring it on down and see if we can't fix it up for you. <laughs> Amen. But, God, I believe the Lord gave me that. He did, and he gave me that in the last few years, the ability to do these things, something that I've always really kind of liked to do. Never dreamed I'd be doing it like I am, but like I said, I'm going to ride this boat till it comes to an end. So praise the Lord tonight. Trust the Lord, and if you're doing what God has called you to do, don't give up, don't give in. Satan will, he'll hit you. He will try to spoil your blessings, but God will turn it around. Amen. And he'll bless you. And I'm, and I'm, I, I, I want to do what I'm doing, not just to make money. I want to do it to bless our church too, to be able to give to the work of the Lord myself. I like having extra money to give to the Lord. Amen. So let's take, well, I was going to say, let's take up the offering. What you want to give, you can bring it too. Let's pray. I've got money on the mind, I guess, for a second. So we're going to pray. And when you get, we get ready to take up the offering, thank you to, for everyone that gives to help us to do what we're doing. Lord, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We thank you tonight. Lord, I thank you, God, for your grace, for your mercy, for seeing the things that we do not see, for knowing the things that we do not know. Lord, the testimonies that, Lord, you're developing in the people of this church. God, I thank you for the things you're doing in our life, the things that you're setting us up for that we know not of. The Lord, I thank you, God for the testimony that Adam gave this morning, that it blesses people all around this church, this town, through the Internet, and those in this church, Lord, who have testimonies. Help them, Lord, to share those testimonies with other people that they might be encouraged, Lord. We praise you tonight. We ask you to move in this service tonight. We ask you to bless Miss Grace when she brings the word. We ask you to anoint it, touch Michaela, touch Melissa in the sound booth. Help us, Lord, to do everything you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.
Great. 
Amen. Praise the Lord. The battle is the Lord's. Amen. All right. You ready to give? Those of you watching, give and it shall be given unto you. Amen. God has so many different ways of blessing his children. So many different ways of giving to you what you need. And as we said earlier, come sometimes in ways you just don't expect it. Amen. And it's coming, it'd be a blessing to you. So give tonight. Those of you watching, we want you to help us if you can. If you're watching and you don't give to the work of the Lord, all I can say is, well, I don't know what to say about you. If you're a Christian and you don't give to the work of the Lord, there's something wrong. And you need to correct that. Amen. And if you, you give where you get fed, if you watch these services, you get touched, you get blessed. That's where you give. You don't have a home church. You give where you're getting fed, where you're getting touched and blessed. That's where you give. So give tonight as the Lord has blessed you. Lord, we ask you tonight to bless the givers. We ask you to move, God. We ask you to touch people all over this world, that you will continue to raise people up, Lord, to support us, to bring people through the doors of this church from other towns, other cities, other states, Lord, those that are searching for the truth, Lord, that they might be fed, that they might grow, and they would learn the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Faith all. 
resurrection was a matter of time. But Jesus appeared and said, this old boy is mine. Now I'm safe from all harm. He walked through the storm and came looking for me.
As Miss Grace gets ready to come show the word this Wednesday night, it just happens to fall on our 25th anniversary of salvation, me and my wife, 25 years this Wednesday night. So we're going to have service, but we're going to be doing a little different. We're going to tell our, some of our testimony together here Wednesday night and set it up so everybody that's able to come, come watch on the Internet. And I don't know exactly what parts we're going to share just yet, but I'm praying for the Lord to lead us. And that you'll be blessed. Miss Grace, are you ready? Ready or not, here we go. (laughs) Let's pray as we open the service tonight with the message of the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you covered in the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior, Messiah, our Redeemer, and soon coming King. And may we walk hand-in-hand with you, Lord, not going before you, not lagging behind you, but walking hand-in-hand with you, doing your bidding, Lord, and let us conform to your purposes for each of our lives. And, Lord, we pray that you'll give us faith, courage, clarity of purpose on a daily basis, and help us to make a difference for Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord, that we will be able, as we sang tonight, to stand in the battles along the way. Revive us Christians. Remind us, Lord, that uh, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. But that means we have to be children of the king. So, Lord, remind us. And, Lord, we want to thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your love. Thank you for always being there for us, love, Lord. And we pray that you will guide us and lead us in all things. In thy name we say amen and amen. Now, the title for tonight's message is I'm going to uh, do a little study on the uh, tribe of Issachar. I'm going to open this up first. (laughs) You're welcome, Lisa. (laughs) She gave me the sign that I should at least take a drink of water first. Okay. Now, tonight's message you'll find, if you uh, care to search for it, you don't have to look for it now, but it's in Genesis chapter 49. Now, I'm uh, taking my message from Genesis 49, which basically closes the book of Genesis. Yes, there is one more chapter to go, chapter 50, but it's really a wrap-up of what happened to Jacob and Joseph and where they were buried. But in chapter uh, 49, we read about the origination of the 12 tribes of Israel. And uh, this chapter provides an insight (coughs) into the ancestry of the Jewish people who today, they all trace their history back to the 12 tribes. 
Now, I don't know if you know the names of the 12 tribes. Some of you may know some of the names. You may remember some of them. Uh, but uh, we're going to just going to study one tonight. And I just want to remind you that the timeline, the last time I think uh, uh, Adams preached, he preached about Abraham being number one. He was, he was called by God, and he was faithful to that calling. So you have Abraham, then you have Isaac, and tonight we're going to look a little bit about Jacob's family. And that's the way the timeline, the history of the Jewish people goes. Now, in this chapter, we read how Jacob is in his last days. He's at the end of his life, so basically he is dying. And he calls his sons together, and he blesses his children. And in uh, this fatherly blessing that you'll have a chance, I hope, to read, I don't know if he realized, but he was basically prophesying, foretelling events, not only what was going to happen to his children, but what eventually happened to Israel. And I'm just going to read one, the first chapter, I'm not, first verse in chapter 49. It says, And Jacob called unto his sons and said, Gather yourselves together, that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Well, Jacob's blessing on each of his sons is consistent with the character of each of the sons. And I hope and pray that you all get a chance to read this entire uh, Genesis 49. We're not going to read it tonight because uh, you're all capable of reading and you can understand it. But sometimes when you go into the quiet of your room and you start reading things, the Lord will point out to you different things that are important to your life. Well, I know somebody's going to tell me later on, Sister Grace, why am I re what are we reading about the 12 tribes of uh, Israel? I'm not Jewish. No, you're not. We're Gentiles. We're not Jewish. But you see, if you remember from the beginning of Genesis where Moses was given work to do and things a blueprint for their lives, the Bible tells us in the New Testament also that those principles, those blueprints, are examples to us. Now, I know we're not, we're not all Jewish, we're not all from the 12 tribes, but there's examples from their lives that we can uh, learn. Each of those 12 tribes reflects a unique path in their lives, and I hope you all realize that you all have a unique path in your life. Now, over the years, I've heard people say, oh, I wish I could pray like him or her. I've had other people come over to me and say, oh, Sister Grace, I wish I could sing like this one and that one. I've had other people say to me, oh, I wish I could put together a message that like that one. Now, I want to remind you that I just said that we each have a unique path in our lives. So let me give you a warning up front. Stop comparing yourself to everyone 
else. Stop comparing yourself. You know, that's a strategy of Satan. I've seen it over the years. People say, well, I don't sing like she does. I don't pray like she does. I don't do this like you do. I don't forget about it. Satan doesn't want you doing anything for the kingdom of God. So get that number one in your head. He doesn't want you to do anything. Now, when we uh, get to the end of chapter 49, and uh, I'm just going to read one little verse, verse 28, uh, verse Ch- Genesis uh, 49, verse 28. It said, all these, and it talk, he's talking about the 12 sons of Jacob, are the tribes of Israel. And Jacob blessed everyone according to his blessing. He blessed them. Now, what's the, what do these words mean? Everyone according to his blessing. That means that each one had specific strengths and specific weaknesses. And just like us, we have specific strengths. We have specific weaknesses. And maybe a good prayer for each of us is uh, we, when we pray every day. I know everybody says, oh, Lord, bless me and do this, that, and the other thing. Maybe we should pray, weaken us, Lord, where we're too strong. And strengthen us where we're too weak. And don't give us burdens to equal our strength, but give us strength to equal the challenges you have for each of us. You know, every one of the tribes had their particular journey. Not all the prophecies, if you get a chance to read them, were good. Some of them spelled out consequences for their actions. And tonight, I just want to focus on one tribe. And I'm quite sure that if I asked uh, from everybody to say to me, well, do you remember one name of the tribe of Israel? Most of us would remember uh, Judah. That's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Maybe others would remember Joseph. Maybe others would remember Benjamin. But in Genesis 49, verses 14 and 15, it reads, Issachar is a strong donkey. I'll just change that word there. Couching down between two burdens. And he saw that rest was good and the land that it was pleasant, and he bowed his shoulder to bear and become a servant under tribute. Now, Issachar was called, he was a blessing to be like a donkey. Now, what does this mean? In Bible times, donkeys served. They bowed. They protected the sheep. They performed hard work. You have to remember, they were not a lot of horses in those days, but the donkeys did the bulk of the work. And yet his very name implies that he would be rewarded for his seemingly dull, hard work. To serve one another is a blessing, and that's what we're learning from this. We are to be a blessing to one another. Not saying, oh, good, 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 good. No, to pray for somebody, to come along somebody, to serve other people. But we are now living in a society that wants to be served. We want you to serve me. No, we've got to go out and serve other people. You see? 
So that is, that's that concept that is shown there. Now, there's a warning also, if you read on a little bit later, it says to Issachar, Jacob prophesied that this tribe would be strong as a donkey, but, here comes the but, in due time, he would be, they would become complacent, lazy, and would become a servant to their enemies. Ah, this is something that's an important, that's a lesson that we all need to learn from Issachar, that we can allow ourselves to become too satisfied and become lazy and we don't want to work. And in Second Thessalonians says a man doesn't want to work, doesn't eat, that's it. Very simple. See, the Bible is very easy to understand. You don't have to worry about, did I understand that right? Yeah, it says it. Now, in uh, Jimmy Swaggart's commentary on this passage that I was checking on, it says, he says that their land bordered the Jordan River, and because of this location, the tribe of Issachar had some of the best agricultural land in all of Israel. Well, Sister Grace, well, who are these men from the tribe of Issachar? Now, that means I have to go search stuff out because there isn't a lot of information. But if you have a nice, a good concordance, you'll be able to find all the passages that refer to this tribe of Issachar. Issachar is mentioned several times and most prominently, yep, it's in the book of Genesis because it talks about his birth. Issachar's blessing from his father, we just read that in uh, Genesis 49, verses 14 to 15. And then Issachar had descendants, and you'll find that in Genesis 46, verse 13. And their names were Tola, Puva, Shimram, and Job. Yes, this is the Job of the book which bears his name. So you see, it's not just where he's out there. It's a hit hit or to miss. There's something that the Lord wants us to see in this. Now, if you go to the book of Numbers, it talks about the men from the tribe of Issachar, that they were chosen by God and numbered. And the whole theme in the book of Numbers is about warfare. Now, all the men, 20 years and upward, were to be numbered. Those who would be capable of going to war, uh, to war. And actually, if you check it in uh, numbers, you'll see that uh, the tribe of Issachar had 54,400 men capable of going to war. And then every person was numbered. You know, your names are on God's hand. He knows who you are. You're numbered. He knows your name. And then when we get to Numbers 26 to 23, another census is taken. And this time, it, they wanted to see if the numbers increased or decreased. And in some of the tribes, the numbers who were able to fight had decreased. But in Issachar's tribe, they had an increase, and now they had 64,300. You see, those who had no faith to enter into the promised land, they chose not to go. Some of them said, well, I want to stay out here. I want to stay over here. We don't want to go here. They even gave lip to the Lord at that point where he had already taken them out of Egypt. But you see, it's your choice. You don't want to enter into the promised land? You don't enter into the promised land. 
But there's a, a passage in First Chronicles uh, 12, verse 32, that gives us a little bit more information on this a tribe of Issachar. First uh, Chronicles twelve thirty two says, And the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, the heads of them were 200, and all their brethren were at their commandment. Now, the men of the tribe of Issachar had a deep understanding of the times that they were living in. And uh, now they were not fortune tellers. They were not seers. They were not witches. They were divinely endowed with the wisdom from God to understand what God was doing. And what they needed to do was to line themselves up with God. Now, if you read that passage in Second Chronicles and you check out Jimmy Swaggart's notes, he says that if we, that's us Christians, follow the Holy Spirit like they were doing then, we will as well have understanding of the times. Only those who truly follow the Lord, he says, will know what the church ought to be doing. Mm, very clearly said. I don't think I have to do any, any discussion on that. You see, from the tribe of Issachar, 200 leaders were sent. And I hope you understand that they were just not 200 men. They sent the best that they had. Uh, they sent, they were really 200 generals that they had sent to help out. And they were good tacticians. They knew the signs of the time and they knew how to live in light of them. Now, how about us? Those of us who have a biblical worldview, we say to everybody, oh, we're Christian, we go to church, we read the Bible, we understand, we do. How should we be living in light of what we know to be the truth? Issachar, would you read on a little bit more and check it out, was a scholar. And scholarship tells us that he had wisdom, he had clarity of vision, and he also had direction. Issachar dedicated himself to study. Now, I know many people will say to me, well, Sister Grace, you know, I don't have an education. I don't even have a GED. And I, you know what I'm going to say to you? Forget about it. I remember years ago, I did a study on the building of the tabernacle. And the Lord showed us when we were doing that study that the Israelites who built that temple with guidance from God were only slaves with dirt underneath their fingernails. They did not go to school. They only made bricks for buildings because God gave the entire blueprint. Now, when God gave the command to Moses to build the tabernacle, remember, not one of them had a certificate or a degree. Do you think a slave would have been allowed to go to school? Huh? No, no. They were considered the dirt on the people's feet. And that's what they had to do. So you have to remember when that temple was built, nobody had a degree in carpentry. Nobody had a degree in how to deal with metal. Nobody had a degree to know how to build those urns that they had to put uh, into the uh, temple. How to deal with the gold. They didn't know. 
And the women were not let out of that either because the Lord trained them how to make the curtains for the temple. Now, why do I say that? In New Jersey, we had a group uh, that we had gone to see. They were a messianic group. They were, Christ- they were Christians who were Jewish. And uh, they uh, had asked and were looking around for people who could take all of these uh, f- uh, banners that the tribes of the 12 tribes would carry when they would go into battle. Now, you have to remember, these, these banners were 20 feet high. They, they checked in Israel. There weren't people who could do it. They checked every place else. They happened to find a small group of women who were 80 and 90 years old who knew what they were talking about. Now, why am I saying such a, uh, what, what's so important about that? You see, when they would, um, they had a special process that they had learned from their families of how to make these banners. And it would just not be like you have a picture on one side and a plain something on the other. The, both the front and the back had to be equal. And that's what they did. These women did this, and a few of the men who had learned from their families learned how to do it because that skill was going to be completed. And they would use that and they would have it in their churches. Now, when God called Abraham, he promised him that because of his obedience, his descendants would become a great nation and that in him, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And that's in Genesis 12. Now, the physical blessings that God gave Abraham would continue through his son, Jacob, Isaac, and then his grandson, Jacob. And uh, the 12 sons of Jacob were the first ones of the tribe of Israel. Now, in Matthew 1 and in Luke 3, there is also a spiritual promise in the Bible that all nations will be blessed through Jesus Christ, who was a descendant of Abraham. Now, Sister Grace, you said there were men who knew the signs of the times. Is this only for men? Because the rest of you say, well, I'm going to close my ears and not listen to the rest of that message. But in Bible times, you have to understand the times that they were living in. There was no men were the only ones that were named in the tabernacle. If you go to the uh, churches, it's only the roles are counted by men. And uh, a woman was considered owned by a master, a woman who was always under the authority of a man, her father, her brother, her husband. And since she did not inherit Eventually, she would be under the control of her eldest son. But, here's the but, the New Testament changed things for women. Jesus changed things for women. And what does Jesus say about women? Jesus identified women as disciples in other places. In Matthew 12, 49, the text says, and he was pointing to his disciples, and he said, who is my mother? Who is my brethren? For whosoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my mother, and my sister. This increases the dimension of the entire family of God. So 
that blessing in Genesis 49, that blessing, that prayer, that prophecy was given to all the children, both sons, daughters, and descendants of the tribes of Issachar, and it's now yours in Christ Jesus. No, you're not Jewish. You didn't become Jewish tonight. No, but that's because those are the promises that God has given to you in the Bible from beginning to end. Yes, there are specific things that are only labeled for Israel in the Bible, but the other things that occurred are examples for us Gentiles to follow. So now that we've read in Genesis 49 and in Numbers and in First Chronicles, did you know that in the Bible this group of, of people always knew what to do and when to do it? A group of folks that had such a discerning and wisdom that a whole nation followed them and waited for their example. Now, it's true. They were called the sons of Issachar, and they were one of the 12 tribes of Israel. They were full of wisdom, the Bible tells us. And then when you get into the book of Judges, and I hope you will have a chance to find uh, those in uh, Judges, uh, the various chapters talk about when Israel was all coming together and all the people. Now, you have to remember, the Lord was moving millions of people millions of animals and all their junk that they were bringing with them, you know, just like the rest of us carry it. And uh, you have to remember that when they set up camp, camp had to be set up in a specific way. It was like almost it would be like a square, but then they would have three of the tribes in the north, three of the tribes in the south, three of the tribes on the west, and three of the tribes on the east. And you remember, I hope you do, that when that pillar of fire would stop, they would stop. But then when that pillar of fire would move, they had to move. And when God was the one who gave Israel the command to move out, do you know what they did? Now, we're talking a couple of million people, as I just said, lots of animals, lots of junk. And you know what they did? They got down and they prayed. And they said, God, how are we going to do this? Now, just let me give you a little aside. I had three kids growing up. And uh, I want you to know that there were times that we were going to church, we could hardly get everybody into the car at one time to get to services three times a week. Because everybody who had, I have to do this, I have to do that, this, that. Could you imagine what it must have been like for two million people to move them, to get them going, to get their animals lined up, to get all their junk and moving? And you know what they did? They prayed and they said to God, how are we going to do this? That's a wise thing to do. I'm telling you, you have to learn from the things of the Bible, these examples. Don't just go out and say, well, you know, we're going to go do this today. No, my father was very a stickler on this. I mean, if we were going to go out to buy a chair or something, let's say that. But whatever it was, we didn't get packed past the front door. And he said, we pray first. And if God wants us to have it, that whatever that piece was or that thing, he said, we'll get it. If not, we're going to come home and say, thank you, Jesus. Exactly what he, how he lived. So, 
They, uh, they ask God, what are we going to do? How are we going to move this entire band of people? And the Lord said to them, and this is why when people say to you, oh, all this chaos is happening, it's not a God thing. God is a God of order. God said, this is how I want you to proceed. Judah, the tribe of Judah, goes first. Judah is the praising tribe. Secondly, the second tribe is Issachar because they were wise and discerning ones. And then the third tribe was the tribe of Zebulon. They were the financiers. They had the finance. Now, that's quite a combination, isn't it? Now, the sons of Issachar were so sharp and spiritually astute that the whole nation depended on them to know what they ought to do and what they ought not to do. Now, there's some other examples, and you will find this in the book of Judges if you take the time to search it out. You know, that's why when, uh, when we're told, you know, search out the scriptures, search out the scriptures, you'll find some very interesting information. There's some other examples. Issachar was the tribe that supported a female ruler when it may not have been popular. In times uh, of uh, when Israel was governed by judges at first before they had kings, a woman rose up to judge, to judge the land. Her name was Deborah. And although women at that time had some abilities, I, I'm quite sure that this may have been a very difficult thing for the tribe of Issachar to support a woman who would have authority over the nation. And nevertheless, God was with Deborah. If you read those stories about Deborah, how God used her to help put in authority and that the sons of Issachar knew that God had put her there. Therefore, they sided with Deborah and went out to battle under her leadership. Well, I would say that that was pretty gutsy move for that tribe of Issachar. You see, that's telling me that a lot of times we want to go by tradition, or we don't do that here, or that's not the way. We learned that when we moved from New Jersey down here to Tennessee. There are certain traditions that are accepted down here, and but they would not have been accepted up in New Jersey. You know? So why did they why did he do that? Because they, the tribe of Issachar, could discern the times and the seasons, and they knew God's hand was on her, and it was her time to rule. And if you remember the story that uh, uh, everything happened, that they were freed from the uh, foreign uh, group, and you'll find that in uh, Judges chapter 5. Now, what, what else about Issachar can we learn? They supported King David, oh, who became the king. And he was not popular with King Saul, as we know, because we know King Saul was trying to kill him. But later on, before King David came to be the next king, number two, in the kingdom, the warriors from the 12 tribes started gathering together. They saw what was happening. They began to realize that something was about to happen. The tribes were split in their support of King David, except for the tribe of Issachar. The tribe was united in one spirit behind David, according to the passages, and you'll find that in First Chronicles 12, 
32. Now, why did all of uh, uh, Issachar's tribe support David? Because they knew that God had called him to become the king. And they knew that his time had come. They could discern the changing of times. Are you able to discern the things that have changed in our society? Do you want things done the same way? I've talked to a few people here and there. In fact, one of them was my my doctor. And he said, oh, no. He said, things are going to go back to the way they were. Well, that's what he thinks. I said to him, I don't agree with you, but that's your choice. Well, it worked out well because David did become the next king. He remained the most famous king of Israel in all of history to this day. Now, the men mentioned in 1 Chronicles 12.32 were part of the gathering that assembled to make David the king of Israel. Now, you say, well, Sister Grace, God had already anointed him. Yeah. But he was on the run from King Saul. And everybody is separated here, there, and everywhere. So there was a need for these men to gather together and to work together. And the mission for Issachar was to be able to observe, to listen, and to ultimately discern the times and to know the will of God for God's people at any time. How about you? Are you able to observe Are you listening? Are you discerning what's going on? What is the Lord going to require of us for such a time as this? You see, these descendants of Issachar, they were bold, they were brave, they were uncompromising, and they were unwavering. And what about us Christians who are living in today's society? Are we bold? Are we brave? Are we uncompromising? Are we unwavering? You see, if you read passage uh, in 1 Chronicles, and you can read uh, verses 23 through 40, it describes all the series of events that transferred military power to King David after the death of King Saul. Each of the tribes, and I want you to listen to this, they said, okay, the 12, other 11 tribes said, we'll send you some foot soldiers. Okay? They sent foot soldiers. But the few tribes, only a few tribes, sent officers. And one of the tribes that sent officers of people who knew planning and could be good at tactics and how to fight a war was the tribe of Issachar. And the tribe of Issachar sent their best Are we giving our best to the master? Or are we as Christians becoming lazy, slipshod in our service to him? You see, this indicates to me that each tribe had identifiable skills that were valued and necessary for a functioning army. Issachar had 200 brilliant generals who acted as intelligence officers indispensable for any warfare. And I know some of you are saying, this has nothing to do with my Christian walk with the Lord. And let me bring it down to Main Street, where you live. As I read to you before, Jimmy Swaggart mentioned that if we follow the Holy Spirit, 
which we say we do here in this church, we will have an understanding of the times, and those who follow the Lord will know what the church has to do. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the bride of Christ, the church. That tells me that our Lord has given each of us identifiable skills necessary for the battles we have to face. I'd asked Michaela tonight, and she thank you graciously. We are on the battlefield for the Lord, and that's what we are. And what do we sing? And I promised him that I would serve him till I die. I'm on the battlefield. You've made a covenant with the Lord. We have to honor our part of the covenant with the Lord. So, do you know the times that we are living in? Are we aware of what is going on around us? Are we disturbed by the senseless violence that is often perpetrated on us by bullies? Do we understand that our society is losing this war in terms of morality? That the times are becoming more and more godless? Our times are becoming increasingly filled with senseless violence and destruction? People are turning more and more to drugs and alcohol to ease the pain of these frustrations and problems that we see. Sometimes I think people are living in a bubble. Like, you know, you're talking to them and they're zoning out. I want you to know, and I'm going to say it tonight, and maybe nobody's going to be happy about that, but just merely identifying the problem does not mean you understand the times we are living in. Because there are many people out there fretting and fuming about the state of this world without having any idea why we are entangled in such a mess. Try saying, that is satanic, that is evil, and you'll know that people won't believe you. They'll look at you and say, foolish, stupid, you know? Well, if we truly understand the times we will recognize where to go to find the solutions we seek. And where should we be going? We should be going to Jesus in prayer, asking him what we should be doing. And I used to always tell my congregation, I know, we're really good at saying, well, you know, sister so-and-so would be good for that. Brother so-and-so would be good for that. How about we make it personal? What do you want me to do, Lord? What should I be doing? Because, you know, you can, you know what you can do? There was something I used to read but in the, in the church, but it's the truth. We start off like we're going to serve the Lord as a good, we're going to be good Christians, we're going to do this. And then this happens, and we say, well, Lord, the next time I get a chance, I'll do it. So now you come up to by the time you're 80 years old, and you haven't done one thing for the Lord. And you say, well, next time I'll, I'll do it for the Lord. No, you have to do it now. The Lord wants us to do it now. And what should we be doing? Going to the word of God sustaining our lives in the word and this involves more than just memorizing a few verses and reading bible verses because a lot of people can read bible verses a lot of times you've heard pastor thomas say that people memorize verses they don't know what they're talking about and there's been people who actors on uh, broadway who uh, they said oh he has such a command he re- he can memorize he memorized the entire bible big deal he he was never a christian he never accepted christ in his life you see we should be asking our lord What do you want me to do? If he is for us, 
Who can be against us? That's what my Bible says. And is this the kind of faith that we have? You see, we all cheer for David, who went up against the uh, uh, Goliath. But you know, when you read that passage, his brothers were in the same army that had cowered, had not done one thing for the Lord. And what did they tell David? Ah, shut up and go home. What are you doing here? But David did not listen to what his brothers said. He didn't listen to what they said. Oh, you're just a kid. Get out of here. He said, no. Our father asked us to come and check on you. And when he heard and he saw what was happening, he said, this is not right. You know, we have to believe God's word and we have to uh, start applying it correctly in every situation in sin. We must all have the courage to follow God's word, even in the face of opposition for those who neither believe it nor follow it. So understanding the times calls us Christians to action, not to fear and not to cower down in a corner. People who understand the times are not going to be running around, uh, throwing their hands in the air and crying, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, like Chicken Little did. They are going to take up the armor of God and march into battle. They're going to live with the confident assurance that Satan and evil can be uh, overcome. Do you know what the Bible calls us? We're supposed to be overcomers. How many of us are overcoming anything? Are we sitting there moaning and whining and complaining? Do you really believe that God has everything in control? How about we start living that? How about we start living that? God has everything under control. I also want to remind you, and you've heard me say it enough, that in our country, and I believe now in the world it's just spread all over, that the only God that people serve is the God of money. Now, if something is going on and you don't want to support it, stop supporting it. Stop supporting stuff. Find out what those people that we are supporting or sending money to, what do they believe? Remember what Jesus said about the Laodicean church? Jesus said, your works, that you are neither hot or cold, he said, and I wish you were hot or cold because I would spit you out of my mouth. Now, let's bring that down to Main Street. You know what that means? I would puke you, vomit you out of my mouth. And what do you think the Lord is looking at churches today? Do you think he's saying, oh, aren't they wonderful? Isn't that wonderful? I'm quite sure that the Lord says, I'm going to spit them out of my mouth. I'm going to puke them up. Even us Christians, because we've all been slipshod. We have not done what we're supposed to. Do you think we Christians are upsetting the Lord? Let me answer that question. Yes, we are upsetting to the Lord because he's seeing our responses. Perhaps we're no different than the German church during the time of the Holocaust. And I remember when I had done a study uh, on that about how when the people were in the uh, trains and they were driving along and the churches were having in their beautiful, big, gorgeous churches with the most beautiful choirs, they were singing. And the people in the trains were going uh, to the concentration camps and they ignored it. 
Oh, but they were good Christians, they thought. What can we do? We're going to have to stand on truth. And truth in Bible means substance. It's a thing that you can possess. It does not evaporate, and it does not vanish into thin air. We all should be getting back to our first love. You see, in the Bible, the Lord shows us when things happen. When people don't love anymore, when they think they know it all, the doctrine begins to fail. And we have lost our first love. Are we as passionate and enthusiastic when we were first saved? Are you zealous for the things of the Lord? Do you have a passion for the things of Christ? Sometimes we relax our love and we slide along in this spiritual journey. So let's all get back to our first love. Another thing we have to look at, the Bible tells us over and over to fear not. I don't care what bullies or anybody else is saying. The Lord tells me, fear not. Now, just last week, the federal government said they are going to start checking on the number of Bibles you and I buy. And they also mentioned some of the places around here that sell ammunition and sell uh, hunting equipment and stuff like that. So when Lisa and I got that text that morning, we looked at each other and we said, oh, guess it's time for us to start buying more Bibles. What are you going to do? You're going to sit there and say, oh, they're going to check that I have Bibles in the house. Good. I hope they get it and they all get saved. <clears throat> you know, the federal government says, and the, this is, I'm telling you, this is the thing that they always do. They said, oh, we're doing the checking on the Bibles and the ammunition and the hunting supplies because of the January 6th insurrection. It's a safety factor. Don't believe them. You all know, and I'm quite sure that if you've had access to anything on the Internet, you've seen the FBI and the Capitol uh, Police open the doors to the people who had come to the uh, White House, to the Congress, and they opened the doors and they let them in. Now, all of those people who walked in are in prison for the last three years. Now, you do know that the group of terrorists who tried to storm the White House two weeks ago because they were in favor of the Hamas terrorist groups, nothing happened to them. Not one of them was arrested. So in case you didn't know that, now you know it. Well, I think another thing that we all have to do is to repent. Well, Sister Grace, you know what? I gave my heart to the Lord skate eight years ago. I repented. I repent every day. But there is a passage in the Psalms. Psalm 106, verse 6, and it's teaching people what they're supposed to be doing. We have, we're to come before the Lord and say, Lord, we have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly, and we repent for our country. And that's what we need to start doing, to start repenting for a country. Well, I didn't do this, and I don't, I don't care. That we need to show the Lord that we, are, we need to be repenting. All of us, none of us is perfect. And the Bible tells us that Israel's sin, fail, sinful failure are preserved in God's word as an example for us. An example, too, of what not to do. That's where we have to learn it. My husband used to tell the kids, he used to say to him, I say all, to all three of them, I want you to look at people. I want you to observe what they're doing. 
Watch their actions. He said, and I want you to learn that you don't have to do every stupid thing that they do. Because you see, you don't have enough life to clean up your act. And he's right. Because if God doesn't help you clean up your act, you're never going to be able to clean it up. In other words, we're supposed to learn from Israel's mistakes. So we will not follow their unfaithful footsteps. We are no different than Israel. We are subject to fail God at any time. And we need to recognize our tendencies and our uh, capabilities of sin. We need to stay close to the Lord at all times. But we see the sin in others better. I can see your sin far better than I can see my sin. And it's true. People do that. People will come and tell me, well, you know, Sister Grace, that one, I don't care. I don't care. Did anybody ever tell you about your sin? Well, I go to church. I pray to God. I, I serve him faithfully. Even if you serve him faithfully, there's times when we miss the mark. And we have to understand that. What about the subject of Israel? What do you believe about Israel as a Christian? What do you understand? Do you just go along with because your mother, your father says something, this one says something, that one says, what do you believe about Israel? Now, if you check the Bible from the beginning of Genesis all the way to the book of Revelation, it talks about Israel all the time. Israel is the primary subject in the Bible. And would you believe that on October 7th, 2023, the issue would be the cause of enormous church splits? Churches are splitting over this issue. Now, we can whine and complain about it, and we're going to do nothing about it. But how many of you, even in this congregation, and those of you watching on the Internet, listening to this, have you stopped and said, Lord, what can we do? What do you want me to do? And you have to start saying, Lord, where's my passion for you? Am I zealous for you? Do I care about your kingdom? Many of our young people today are a part of a new generation of people who have broken all contact with God and have been molded instead by the entertainment media ungodly influencers. And that's what we have today. And I'm quite sure that part of the problem is their parents. Their parents did not, it only takes a generation to lose, a con, to lose the kids. And that's what it takes because the parents did not do that. Many of them comes to come to know Christ later in life. But what happened to all those years in between when they talked against God, when they mocked God, when they cursed God, when they did all this stuff? That's what the children absorbed. You see, our young people are wallowing today in muck and mire of profanity, adultery, fornication, and pornography. Anybody upset about that? Yeah. Anybody upset about that? They're on their way to hell, and you don't care? You don't care? Let them go? Let them do what they want? Nobody wants to talk to them? Nobody wants to say anything? You see, God is calling for the Issachars of his church to stand up and be counted. The church is calling for men, women, and children who will direct God's people as leaders to his kingdom. God is calling for men, women, and children who are going to minister powerfully with the intensity of God's spirit. God is willing. Now, some of you are going to say to me, well, Sister Grace, I'm just a child. What can I do? Now, remember I said to you at the beginning of this message that the Lord has put examples in the Bible. I don't know if you remember a story about a man, a commander uh, in the uh, army of Aram. His name was Naaman. 
And he was commander of this army. And the Bible says he was a great man in the sight of his master. And he was highly regarded because through him, the Lord had given them a victory to win. And then he was able to take some, he took uh, as people, some of the people from Israel. And uh, he brought a little girl uh, to his home. For, to work with his wife. Now, the Bible commentaries all tell us that that young girl was about eight or nine years old. So that's a pretty small child. But she did see something. She realized that the master had leprosy. And she could have kept her mouth shut, and she said, I could have said, I'm a slave here. I'm going to get killed if I open my mouth. But she went to the, um, to the, the wife, and she said, you know, she said, Oh, it's a shame, she said, that the master, uh, if he lived in our country, he could be healed of this leprosy. Now, for those of you who know the Bible, you know what happened, the whole big rigmarole, but finally he was healed of the leprosy. Now, that little girl, that little eight-year-old, nine-year-old girl, could have kept her mouth shut, but she didn't. She chose to speak up. Now, now what about uh, some of you who are a little bit older than eight or nine? Some of you who are preteens, young teens, now, you do know that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all young teens, and they were all taken from their country, and they never went back home. They were 70 years in foreign land. They had to learn a new language. They had to learn new customs, but the Lord was with them. You see? The Lord was with them. Daniel was 80-something years old when he was put into the lion's den, but he wasn't given in. He said, no way. God's been with me all the time, and he's going to be with me. You see, I'm telling you tonight that we're going to have to start saturating ourselves with the word of God, and we're going to have to get on our knees and ask the Lord to guide us. God is calling people who will work with others instead of whining and complaining. We can complain and whine, but I want you to know, ask yourself at the end of the day after you complain and whine, what did you accomplish? You got yourself upset. Your blood pressure most likely went up. You were depressed. Everything that happens. But start getting on your knees and say, Lord, help us to be able to see what you want us to see. You see, I hope you all know that we are in a crisis mode. We have a government of the, not no longer of the people, by the people. Because, but we have God-given rights. And it's not going to get any better. The lawlessness that we are witnessing, the media tries to keep it quiet. But once in a while, those little viral videos get out. You notice that? I wonder who's behind that. Let's get out. And we see what's happening. And we see that the police have been tied. Their hands are tied. They're not allowed to even say anything or do anything. What about our military? The word is out that they can't get young men and women to join the military. Well, have you taken a look at our generals lately, these high-ranking officials who are dressed as women? Look at our economy. Look at our health care. Look at our education. Look at the borders. Look at the families, the freedoms. Everything is being Gone, going down the drain. And if, uh, you know, we have to stop apologizing for being a white Christian, 
a black Christian, a Chinese Christian, every other kind of Christian. I don't care what your ethnic background is. If you're a Christian, you belong to Jesus Christ. And that is just bullying. When I went to school, that's what it was called. You're a bully. You're just making fun of people. And I don't know where you are and what you believe, but the only thing that matters in this country, as I said earlier, is money. So I'm going to make a suggestion, but I'm not going to tell you the companies what to do and what not to do. Do you know where you buy your coffee? What do they support? Some of those coffee vendors, they support abortions. Well, I'm a Christian. I don't support abortion. No, I don't because it's murder. Now, find out. Start seeking and find out what's going on. What about companies uh, that uh, do other things? Even your food companies. I, Lisa talked to somebody and told her about a certain uh, uh, food store, and they said, oh, well, I get good discounts there. So Lisa said to her, is 12 cents off your bill worth it? to give to that company? What about all the other vendors that have now gotten into line with other things that are no longer Christian? Stop paying the money. Have you changed your shopping habits? You all know what happened to Target. You all know what happened with Budweiser when they had that ad come out. Somebody sent me a note and it said, well, we don't have to worry about Alcoholics Anonymous anymore because that ad made people stop buying Budweiser beer. Well, it didn't. They bought some other kind of beer, you see? But they're put, uh, one other thing this week I saw that they're putting in the Planned Parenthood centers, they're putting children playgrounds. So when mama comes to get an abortion, the children will have a good attitude. In California, they're now setting up a spa so that it can be a day at the spa and you can have your abortion. The swamp has now become a sewer. And in fact, you can't say anything that says Marxist, communist, or socialist. And in my lifetime is the first time I've just witnessed that uh, the Pope is being sued by one of the archbishops. Never saw that before. You see, everything is going upside down. Now, I don't know if any of you saw, but there were a lot of uh, movie stars that uh, came out uh, with, uh, with this Hamas thing, and they were all in favor of the Muslim countries. Oh, how sad it is that they're doing this. I want, you, I want to tell you something. Years ago, I had done a study about before the land became Israel. And before the land became Israel, they offered that land to those Middle Eastern countries. And you know what all the leaders said? Who wants that kind of brown country, because it's very much desert. But since Israel's been there since 1948, the whole area has changed. In fact, when Ralph was there, he said the uh, fruits and the, and actually he said the Israelis were teaching the Muslims how to live in those countries like Gaza and places like that. You see, that's what we don't understand. Now, because they've got oil, they've got this, they've got that, they, now they want to pounce on them and to take their country. So I just want to point out one other thing. Susan Sarandon, now many of you may know her. She's a, uh, uh, she's a movie star. And so she was in New York City uh, marching with the Hamas people and saying this, that, or the other thing. And they were singing, from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. They're praying for the extermination of Israel. 
Well, she appeared and she said some other nasty things and it was reported, I didn't report it, in the New York Post. And they said, oh, she said, there's a lot of people who live here and they're afraid, they're Muslims, and they're afraid to live here. Well, there was a, the next day, this woman, Asra Nomani, she's an influ, influential American female Muslim and she was a former journalist and she sent a note to Susan Sarandon. I'm reading the note because I think you should hear what it says. She said, let me give you a taste of what it feels like to be a Muslim in America, Nomani told Sarandon. First, she said, my dad, when we came here, he earned a PhD from Rutgers University in New Jersey. He eventually was awarded full professorship at the West Virginia University that's what it means to be a Muslim in America. You get your full rights. Secondly, she said, my mother, being a Muslim in America, meant she got to live free with the wind in her hair. She even explained that being a Muslim in America, her mother could start a business and achieve financial independence, something Muslim women in the Muslim-majority world rarely ever experience. And then Namani personally said, being a Muslim herself, she could travel without a male chaperone, a rarity in countries where Sharia law is enforced. And then she said in the bottom part of the letter, she said, I'm going to fast forward because this is just a taste of what it means to be a Muslim in America. She said, in 2002, I fled Pakistan with a souvenir that could have gotten me imprisoned or killed. She was expecting a baby and did not have a ring on her finger. Sharia law make sex out of marriage a crime in Muslim countries like Pakistan. And she said to her, do you remember the young girl who said she was an atheist, Yasmin Mohammed? Well, she said, that is a crime punishable by death to Muslim countries. But she said, not in America. And in America, she said, it's a safe place for Muslims where they have equal rights as Muslim Americans not Muslim Americans. She said, this is a taste of life for a Muslim family in America. Please don't minimize the experience of Jewish Americans by sanitizing the hell that it is for Muslims living in Muslim countries and vilifying America for the life and freedoms. She said to her, to Susan, go live like a Muslim woman in a Muslim country, you will come back to America and kiss the land beneath your feet. And in this same article that I read, she, Susan Sarandon, had been sponsored by this United Talent Agency, which was one of the biggest uh, one, uh, agencies in the United States, and they dropped her as a client. I said, thank you, Jesus. That was very good to, to see. So what is our Lord asking you to do? You don't have to tell me. It's between you and the Lord. I don't care how old you are. If you're 8, 10, 12, 15, me, 80, it doesn't matter. The Lord asks us all to do something different. Years ago, I read the testimony of a woman who was 80 years old, and she was blind. 
And she was a Christian, and she got on her knees and she prayed to the Lord. She said, you know what, Lord? I've had a good life. I've lived 80 years. She said, you've been with me my whole time. She said, so you know what? She said, I'm ready to come home. And you know what the Lord said to her? Not yet. Well, she said she got upset. She started to cry. And she said she spent a few days praying to the Lord. And she said, Lord, take me home. She said, there's nothing else that I can do for you. I'm blind. I'm here by myself. What can I do for you? And then all of a sudden, the Lord showed her. She had a Braille telephone book. So she said, you know what? I'm going to start calling 10 people a day, and I'm going to talk to them about Jesus. Well, she lived another nine years. And on her deathbed, she had taken a 1,000 people to make a commitment to Jesus Christ just by being blind and getting on the phone every day and talking to them. So don't tell me there's nothing we can do. The Lord shows us there's a lot of stuff that we can do. I don't know if any of you saw the news uh, maybe about a week and a half ago or two weeks it impressed me because uh, the plane was going from Los Ange- uh, from uh, Miami. I don't know where it's going, but the motor exploded. And uh, the, it got so bad in the cockpit, they had to come down. They had an emergency landing. And uh, all, and it said 387 people and all the crew members all were fine. Everybody survived. Now, what happened when they started interviewing the people on the plane? They said, well, what happened when they saw, when they heard the explosion, the uh, whole plane filled up with smoke. And when they landed, they got them down in an emergency landing. The uh, pilots opened up all four of the exit doors. Everybody shot out. The stewardess said it took us 90 seconds to clear it. That was a record. Because they said everybody saw the smoke inside the plane, and they knew there was no kidding around what was going on. Are we getting overwhelmed by the smell of smoke, the evil that is going on in our world? We have to start saying as the Laodicean church, Lord, hear me. Hear our cries, Lord. Hear us. Lord, we're praying that you will teach us to understand the times so that we know what's happening. If the Lord takes us, terrific. But if not, we have to continue to work on our mission until he takes us home. And that is our job. Some people will say, well, oh, that's a lot to do. Pick one thing. Do one thing for the Lord. So when you get to glory, he'll say, you did a great job on that. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in. And in uh, Romans 13, the Lord says... And do this knowing the time that now is high time to wake up out of our sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. So my word to all of you who are called the bride of Christ, let us wake up. Ask the Lord, what does he want us to do? And start doing it. Don't get it. You don't have to get an approval from anybody. Just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And I pray that we will all get before the Lord and to cry and pray for our country. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? I was riding by the middle school last week just down from our house, and I just happened to look over, and I saw the cop car sitting there in the parking lot, and I thought, 
I never seen a policeman in school when we were kids. And on the front of the school, it says, in God we trust. If that's true, then why do we need the police in our schools? Because it's not true. And we need we need the Lord to help us. But that message is good tonight because it speaks to all of our hearts. Lord, what do you want me to do? And we do. We don't need to waste time because time is running out. And everybody in this place, there's something God has for you. It ain't everybody's not the same, but God has something that you can do. There's something, and it's up to you to find out what it is. Like she said, on your knees praying, and when He tells you what to do, you do it. You, the, the the worst mistake you can do is many times is going around telling everybody what the Lord told you to do, because sometimes that'll hinder you. You just do it, Amen. And He'll make a way. Let's pray, Father. We thank you for your word tonight. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. And Lord, I pray that you help all of us to know, to hear your voice, Lord, to find out what it is, Lord, that you want us to do, what it is for the church, for every individual, for the things that you want us to do in the future, in our families, Lord, on the job, in every area of our life, God, that you would lead us, you would guide us, that you would show us, Lord, where you want us to go, when you want us to go, the time, the place, Lord. There's people, I believe, tonight that are asking you, Lord, about what to do, and Lord, I'm asking you to make it plain to them, even tonight, Lord, through this message, Lord, that they would hear your voice and that they would act upon what they have heard you to tell them to do. They wouldn't ask any questions, Lord, but they would obey the voice of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you for the people, those watching tonight, Lord, that don't know what to do. Speak to them. Show them, Lord, all of us can pray and we need to pray more. We thank you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. It's Wednesday night. If you're able to come, unless the trumpet sounds, we're going to be here sharing our testimony, having a service. So come if you can. Invite people to watch the service Wednesday night. I believe that they'll be blessed. Amen. Amen. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee, Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee, 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.